Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, the travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from Agua Caliente Casino Resort and Spa in Rancho Mirage, California. Who better to, to talk to now than the Honorable Mayor of Palm Springs, Jeff Gores. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me in Palm Springs. And, you know, I should tell you that I've been coming to Palm Springs since I was a correspondent for Newsweek back in 1971. I remember coming down uh, on the interstate in my old VW bus and uh, getting buffeted by the wind and sand and uh, heat. And in those days... You know, the, the, the stereotype of Palm Springs was this is where people went to die. This is a retirement community. Uh, there was no energy here. Uh, you had a couple of major t- uh, maybe television and film stars who were down here because of the golf. And I was I was hard pressed to find good stories. Obviously, not the case anymore. No, it's, it's as we say, it's not our grandfather's Palm Springs. The city's totally revitalized. Twenty years ago, when I moved here, it was moving forward, but it's really taken off in the last ten years. So many great restaurants, attractions, you know, Broadway shows that come through the McCallum Theater and Palm Desert. It's just a wonderful city with great culture, but still that small town vibe that makes it so great for tourists and residents alike. And if truth be told, the last time I saw you was just a couple of weeks ago. You and I, you were giving me a tour of one of the cutest airports in America, the airport in Palm Springs. Yeah. I mean, it's such, it's the most stress-free airport I've ever been to. (laughs) I mean, for those, if you're staying in Palm Springs in the downtown area or you live in Palm Springs, you know, I leave my house at six o'clock for the 7 a.m. flight 
and can connect to almost anywhere in the world, whether through Canada, through Dallas, Chicago. You know, I flew home from Tel Aviv through Toronto, right into Palm Springs. It's amazing. And I remember, uh, although you told me it's not there anymore, and it wasn't, but I remember you actually had a putting green at the airport. I remember that back, God, probably in the 80s. We had a putting green, and we didn't even have the terminal where the planes, you know, connected. You actually had to walk out onto the tarmac back in those days. Now we have direct flights to over 20 cities around the country. I'm going to share with you a story that I didn't share with you when I saw you the last time. One day I was actually flying out of Palm Springs. I think I was going to like Denver or Chicago. No, I was going to Phoenix, I think. And as it turned out, I was the only person on the flight. And so I got there early and it was was, an open air airport. And and so I'm talking to the TSA and we're having a nice time. I haven't gone to security. I mean, I'm in no rush. I'm the only guy there. And there was one person there, I think, from, from either America or West, whoever was flying to Phoenix in those days. And that whoever was the counter agent was also the guy at the gate, who was also the guy with the orange cones. I mean, he was, he was doing everything. He was loading bags. So we're just having a nice conversation. And now the one guy I'm talking to from the airport, I mean, from the airline, it's, he calls the flight. So he goes to the loudspeaker, and he's, but he's only talking to me, right? That's great. So it's now time for me to go through security. And I go through and I get stopped and the guy says, you've been selected for random suite. I said, I'm the only guy at the airport. That way, and by the way, you, you, you're not crowded at this airport. No, you never feel crowded. The rental cars are right at the airport. You don't have to take a bus or a tram or any van to it. It's really wonderful. All right, so the airport's coming into its own place. You've, been, you've increased where you can fly to. Yes. I mean, there are over 20 nonstop flights. Boston, New York, Newark, Atlanta, as well as Chicago, the whole West Coast, but all through Canada as well, which makes it really easy to connect either through Dallas, you can connect through Los Angeles, San Francisco, or Toronto, as I often do as well. So let's move on to the other thing that I've noticed. Well, there are three things I used to remember about coming down to Palm Springs. The first I already told you. The second was stopping at Hadley's for a date Mm -hmm. shake. (laughs) You can't not come without that. And they're still there. They are still there, and there's also a great date shake uh, right in downtown Palm Springs. And of course, right next to the to Hadley's, and I'm not a meat eater, but I had to introduce my, my wife to in and out Burger. So it was her first experience. Wow. And then the third thing, of course, the windmills. Yes. So the windmills are terrific. They've been here for a long time. There are more and more of them. And they're and bigger they, and bigger. They're getting bigger and bigger. And the amount of energy they produce, they now can, the bigger ones can compete with any fossil fuel and cost, which is really incredible, because that's how we're going to start saving the planet for future generations. Starting April 1st, so coming right up, up. is Palm Springs is going to be the first city in the area to go 100% carbon free, not just for the city, but for residents and businesses. We're doing our own power program. It's something state law allows. Well, you got solar. You have solar. Right. And we're going to add solar, and we can buy our own power. Uh, So we'll buy it from various sources. But the windmills produce, you know, an amazing amount of energy. They're beautiful against the mountains. Artists come here to draw them. There are art installations here all the time. It's really a wonderful thing. And there's a great windmill tour. If you've never gone on it. Come on. Next time you're out, I'll take you. It's really wonderful. Explain how you do a windmill tour. Well, there's there's a little office building. Um, at the windmill company uh, headquarters, and they have all the pictures and history of windmills, including all the ones that failed over, you know, decades and decades and decades. And, and, and why did they fail? Various things. They didn't. The wind wasn't strong enough. Well, um, that's the obvious, right? One. It they, wasn't windy that the, day. The parts didn't hold up long term. There were a whole bunch of issues. They weren't controlled, you know, the way they now are through computers, you know, offsite. And so they take you through the whole history. Then they put you in a really nice you know, minibus and take you around and you go out to the windmills and they explain how they work. 
And I'm not a science geek, but I was fascinated in it. Well, what, what amazes me, when you're in your car and you're driving down the interstate, you see them, you see the turbines moving around, but you don't really hear them. When you get up close and personal, oh my God. Yeah, they're noisy when you're there, but if you're not really right at them, you don't yeah, hear them at all. Exactly. And you're telling me they're generating enough electricity to take you essentially off the normal grid and putting you on this one. Well, they actually generate enough, from what I understand, to power the entire Coachella Valley, every residence in the Coachella Valley, if it was off-grid. It's not totally off-grid, but we pick who we buy power from. So we can buy power from the windmills, from solar, from various hydro, and go 100% carbon-free and help save our planet. So you become the role model for other cities. That's our goal. We've you know, had a sustainability commission, and we've worked on it for a long time. We had a solar ordinance for new residential long before the state started requiring it this year. Tell me what, how that works. Well, any home, any residential project that was being built had to have solar installed. First, it was solar wire ready. And about three, four years ago, we passed a solar ordinance. It had to have a certain amount of solar energy. Because solar pays itself back here in about six, seven years because, look, we're in the desert. And so it saves people money. And one of the interesting things, there was a push to exempt low-income houses, but for someone buying a house on a lower income, the mortgage and their regular energy bill was more than their mortgage with solar added into it. And once we showed that, everyone wanted it. You could actually do the numbers. Actually. So it works for the numbers and it works for the environment. All right, so we've got a lot of sun. A lot of sun. Where's the water coming from? Um, We are on top of a beautiful, huge aquifer that no one knows exactly how long, but according to Desert Water Agency, we probably can make 100 years on it. But we also are really conscious of water conservation. We've done big turf buyback programs. And part of it is people moved here to be in the desert. And when people do nothing but plant non-native species here, all the allergies, all the things that some people moved away from come back. So we've done big turf buyback programs. All the golf courses are moving to reclaimed water. All the fountains are non-potable water. So we're really conscious of it, but we still like the feeling of an oasis while we're being good to the environment. Interesting that people would come and plant you know, invasive species that shouldn't have been here in the first place. Yes. Well, that happens everywhere, unfortunately. All right. So the, so the flower store has got to be watched carefully. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, joining me now from Palm Springs Life Magazine, a magazine I still subscribe to. Nice. Yes, Derek Lang. How are you, sir? Great. How are you, Peter? Good. I mean, you're a relative newcomer to the magazine, but you're not a newcomer to the area. So what is it about this place that's changed for you? Because, you know, I still say, and, 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 and I, this goes back to my history with Palm Springs, that for so many years it wasn't changing. Mm. Yeah, I've been coming for probably about like 10 years. And there, it's uh, kind of goes both ways. You want some things not to change. You come for the mid-century architecture. You come for the pools. But then you come and things change culinarily. There's new restaurants, new bars, new experiences with shopping. Can so, we talk about the pools for a second? Let's because, talk about them. Because I remember when I first came down here, people had two kinds of pools. Not there was no there was no middle level. There was the little baby pools, okay, and there were like gargantuan pools, <laughs> yeah. right? They were sort of like the old days of uh, town and country and slim errands photography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you want like the most high tech pool technology, you come to Greater Palm Springs. They we have pools here 
that are chilled. I didn't even know you could do that. But at the La Quinta Resort and Club, they have over 40 pools that they chill in the summertime. So it's never never too hot to get in there. And then like- What, they throw ice cubes in? What what do they do? (laughs) No, I'm not a scientist, so I don't exactly understand the engineering behind it. But I think it's just the opposite of how they would heat the pool with like coils or something like that. But- uh, yeah, and then like saltwater pools, which are actually really good for you. We have a lot of those here. So it kind of runs the gamut of sort of a pool experience you want. So basically you're the unofficial pool inspector here. Uh, sure. I'll add that to my <laughs> resume. That's like a pretty good title. But I mean, having a pool in Palm Springs is sort of like you got to do it. Yeah, you do. You got to do it. <laughs> and, pe- and people come. Yeah, you got to have a nice bar or bar cart, and you got to have a nice pool. Those are kind of the two prerequisites in, in Palm Springs. And let's talk about some stereotypes. Okay. Ready? The dry heat. You know, when I was first coming down here, people would say, yes, Palm Springs is hot, but it's a dry heat. And, of course, my answer was, yeah, my oven's a dry heat, but I don't live there. Right? <laughs> but now I'm, I'm turned around. I'm a big fan of the off-season. I'm, I'm actually working on a book right now called The Off-Season about why you want to go to Alaska in February and Palm Springs in, 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 in August. I mean, I've always been a huge fan of traveling on the off-season everywhere in the world. Like, go to Italy in December. Like, go to Venice when it's, when it's really cold and there's nobody You go there. to Venice in February, and maybe you wear some boots in case the canals are flooded. But you're going to have a much better time. 100%. You'll own the Bridge of Size. It won't be the Bridge of Thighs. <laughs> yeah, and same with Palm Springs. Come in the summertime. It's actually really great. Sure, you're not going to be able to go on a six-mile hike because you'll probably pass out. No, you do that at three in the morning. Exactly. You, yeah. yeah, you just turn into a vampire. But I'm originally from Florida. so You understand. When they say dry heat, they ain't kidding. Because I'm used to... I grew up walking outside. Yeah, but Florida was not dry heat. Florida was humid heat. It's a wet heat. Yeah, yeah. you walk outside and you immediately need to turn around and go back and take a shower. That's not the case here in Palm Springs. It's actually very comfortable. I got you. So now speaking of comfort, you got to eat. Yes. Where are we going? Well, there's so many good places. And what's happening right now, we just put out this supplement magazine called Taste Magazine. And um, what I found really interesting as I was working on that publication is there's a plethora of produce here. You don't think about that. You think, oh, it's a desert. Nothing's going to grow there. Obviously, the dates are a big deal here. We have more. We grow more dates than anywhere else in the country. I continue to go for date shakes. Yeah. Date shades, but you can also get, you know, uh, bourbon infused with dates. You can get that drink right here at the Cigar Lounge at the Agua Caliente. But there's also... And you would know that because... Uh, You've had it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's research. I have to try everything, Peter. But yeah, there's date sugar, date jam, all of that stuff. But there's also things that you would never have thought about, like white sweet potatoes. We grow more white sweet potatoes here, which makes like a really great soup. It's super healthy. Um, Then there's, you know, stuff like juniper. So there's actually like a lot of ingredients and there's tons of chefs here that are really inspired by the challenge of using that kind of local cuisine. So where do we go? Well, what are you in the mood for? Well, let's you... start with breakfast. Okay. Breakfast. Um, well, right now I'm kind of obsessed with, there's this um, Jewish deli. Oh, wait, you talk about Wexler's. Wexler's, yeah. 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 So it, it's- But that's been around. It's been around. It's in the Grand Central Market downtown, but here in Palm Springs, it's more of a luxurious experience because it's like a restaurant at the uh, Arrive Hotel. And so you sit down, you don't have to like wait in a line like you do at the Grand Central Market in downtown LA. And they do a breakfast burrito made with their housemate pastrami. So See? that's pretty unique. <laughs>
And joining me now uh, from the Desert Sun, uh, Brian De Los Santos. Uh, Brian, the reason why I asked you on the show is because if, if I go back to all my years coming to this area, and if truth be told, it goes back to 1971, uh, when I first came here, I found it boring. I found it dry, still dry. Um, I found, you know, it was funny. I, I, when I first came here, the description of Palm Springs in the area was 200,000 people, two interesting stories. Yes. Right? Things have changed. Yes. That's why you're here. Yep. <laughs> what specifically has been the turnaround and why is it now booming in terms of culture, recreation, uh, entertainment. I mean, look where we are right now, right? Yep. Well, uh, Peter, um, as you can see, if you come to down, the downtown area of Palm Springs, there's more development now. There's an H&M, there's these stores. Wait, H&M is here? Okay. Yeah, there's a, oh, so now you know we're legit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, the old business. Yeah, but is there a Marshalls? There is. Okay, I'm staying. Okay, away. fine. Okay. <laughs> So we have more development, and uh, we have still have the mom and pop shops. So there's still a bit of a, like that old feel, but that know? I like. Yeah. Yes. So the the younger folks, the more diverse folks, um, the people who are, are lo- love the city but they want to get away, they come here for the bachelorette parties. They come here for the. Um, the getaways, they come here for the pool parties. We have things like the Dinah, which is, is a lesbian weekend here. We have... Um, which you never party. would have seen in 1971, ever. I doubt it. <laughs> no, it wasn't happening. But there was still, like, I was talking about the old era, there was still uh, Palm Springs uh, spring break here. So there's, you know, people have those memories and people still associate Palm Springs, the area, with this kind of like the desert um, hotspot. Right, and but the median ages come down. Yeah, so now I, um, myself, I'm about 30 years old. I'm 29. And I see. Hey, stay 29 as long as you can. Okay. <laughs> I'll try to. Um, but I, I do see more of younger folks out here. Um, and it's because of different opportunities. There's a hospitality sector out here, there is um, cuisine. There's a lot of like restaurants that open up and they try their hand here. And I feel like when they try their hand here, they can go to places like LA, San Diego, Phoenix are, are big cities nearby. So you can live here and use it as a hub. Exactly. And for example, myself, I'm from LA. Um, I came here for a career, you know, move, and I love it. Um, I have my, my husband now, and have my dog. Um, I feel like I can be here for a few more years. You're a unit. <laughs> exactly. I have a home here, unlike LA. You know, we still rent out there in LA. And well, if I can the- say something that the, my folks in LA and my friends in LA will not like. But Los Angeles is 86 separate incorporated cities in desperate search of a community. Yep. Right. Yep. That's different here. Oh yeah, um, and there a lot of people, a lot of the locals, um, because there, you, as you know, there's a snowbird season, uh, so people come and go, and they stay here for the six months where it's like tolerable warm weather and then it comes the 110 115 degrees where do you go where do you go i stay indoors i stay in the ac (laughs) (laughs) or i I skip to la or san diego although i have to tell you something i'm a huge fan of the off season for most people i think it's it's sort of a myth because for me i don't mind alaska in february and i don't mind palm springs in august if you know what to do Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. i mean I think you can get to the pool and have a great time before 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. You go back at four in the <laughs> afternoon from 11 to four. Hey, like embrace the Spanish model, siesta. Yep, yep. 
Uh, happy hours are, are a thing here. You know, um, if you're in town, I, I suggest you get out and you do a little bit of like happy hours. You do the pool time. Palm Springs is super popular for the pool parties. Um, Splash House is a thing here. Um, a lot of people <laughs> love coming to that. I would in myself, I think I'm out of that age range where I, I would enjoy myself at a Splash House event, which is pool parties all over the town. I'm okay. Not appearing. But the bottom line is, you're happy to be here. Of course. It's, a, it's an awesome All right. So since you talked about food, let's let's get into that. Oh, yes. All right. Where are you taking me for breakfast? So I love this place called Women Frida's. It's, they have two locations. So one in Palm Springs in the main area in downtown. And there's another one right outside of Palm Springs in Palm Desert. So I've been to the one in Palm Springs. Really good breakfast. They have brunch. They have all the... But what am I ordering? You're ordering uh, salsa verde... Um, pork, the pork there. It is awesome. It's kind of like chilaquiles. They're kind of like a take on chilaquiles. Um, it, it, for me, I always try to look for something Mexican inspired because I'm from LA. I'm from Mexico. I try to like see like what is the original cuisine here, and they do a really good like take on Mexican inspired salsa. And for me, it was it was awesome. It was delicious. It comes with eggs. Um, you can order a mimosa. You can order any type of drink there. The atmosphere is kind of homey. So you sit down and you just get taken care of. All right. So that's breakfast with a mimosa. Got it. Lunch. Um, for me, because I experienced something new, it's called Tanya's Kitchen. It's right off. It's now that's not pork. No, it's not. No, it's not. It is vegan. And I hope you and if you have never tried vegan, can you I tell you something? Here's the biggest myth about vegan food. An overwhelming number of people who order vegan food aren't vegans. And half the time, they don't even know it. Exactly. I'm not, I wasn't vegan. I, I was introduced to that place, and they're like, you just try this. You'll love it. It's light, but it's filling. It's warm. I will tell you the one thing I do hate about vegan places. What is it? It's sort of a ridiculous attitude. Ready? They mm. all whisper. You ever notice? We have the kale. It's like, <laughs> no, just what do you have on the menu? It's sort of, they, they're like escaped librarians in there. It's sort of like, Hi. I'm a, I'm a witness. I'm in the witness relocation program. I'm vegan. No, no, no. Just what do you have on the menu? What exactly do they have? Yeah. I, I do recommend two things: a chupacabra ch- chicken sandwich. It's a it's, it's a take, what? A chupacabra. I don't know exactly where that came from. I have not asked Tanya myself. I should ask. Her so that's the impossible her. chicken. That is the weird <laughs> chicken they have, right? Um, well, and then there's the, their take on the Cuban sandwich, the cubanito. So you know, of course, you know, I wanted to see like what they have there, and the cubanito is my go-to for lunch. Um, my office is not far away from there, so whenever I can escape, I go there. Tanya's super friendly. She's there most of the time. If not, they take care of you anyway. And dinner? Dinner for me, it's. Let me guess. We're back to pork. Of course. You can never go wrong with meat, I would say. So we'll take you back to, to downtown, downtown Palm Springs area, which is uh, the Rooster and Pig. Now, that's the like a Vietnamese fusion um, place, and, and you get a little bit of everything. There's, there's, uh, but I do appreciate the pork there, the pork dish. Um, they give you a little bit of soup when you, you walk in. Uh, well, when you get served, you know, you sit down and... You get this atmosphere that's almost like uh, a big city, like LA, but then you get this like homey feeling like you're in a smaller town. My next guest knows a little bit about this location. She's been writing about it for a long time. In fact, Moon Publications has got her book. Joshua Tree in Palm Springs, and here she is, 
Jenna Blau, how are you? Good. Happy to be here. And happy that you are here. Now, you didn't really discover this place in your early years. You had to fall in love with it almost by accident. This is true. I actually grew up on the East Coast. and Not one of those. No, yeah. Uh, but I am now a uh, bona fide Californian. I've been here for going on 20 years. And when I first moved out here, I just explored the state, started road tripping and camping and traveling and just kind of finding out everything I could about uh, California, little outpost, and just fell in love with the Mojave Desert. Why? I love the landscape. There is there are certain people who are just drawn to that landscape. It's austere, it's spiky. It's silent. It is silent. Los Angeles is not silent. That's where I'm based right now and to love Los Angeles, which I do, is to get out of Los Angeles also. <laughs> That's great branding yeah. for Los Angeles, <laughs> but we won't share that with them. But the bottom line is when you get out there, the first thing you notice is space, light, mm-hmm. and sound or lack of it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's almost a flat light in the desert. Their shadows are sharper. Uh, the boulders are big, and uh, the Joshua trees are spiky. So you're really Explain in just a, a, Joshua a, a tree. Joshua tree is actually part of the yucca family, but it is a little bit taller than the yuccas you might see in someone's yard. It's a tree. It's kind of spiky at the top. They're very anthropomorphic. They kind of look like people waving. And so they're kind of very engaging. They always look like they're moving. They do. They do look like they're moving. Yeah, like they're kind of waving at you, waving up to the sky. And you mentioned Joshua Tree National Park. It's amazing how many national parks and monuments are actually in this area. It is incredible, and we've added a few more over the past few years. So in between Joshua Tree National Park and Death Valley, we have the Mojave National Preserve. We've also added uh, recently the Castle Mountains National Preserve to the east and the Sand to Snow National Monument, connecting the San Jacinto Mountains with the desert. They actually call it the Sand to Snow? Sand to Snow, yeah. That one I didn't know. I have to tell you, that's a new one. Yeah, it, it is a new one. It is a new one. Yeah, it's not. It's hard to find a map for it, actually, right now. Well, that's why you're there, <laughs> yeah. because you create the map. Absolutely. You're pioneering yeah. <laughs> it. So what was the biggest surprise to you when you first moved here? When I first moved here? Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about when you started discovering this area. When I started area, discovering. Yeah. You know, really how much there was to discover. Um, coming from the East Coast, where space is, where distances are short, um, out here, Distances are very long. A six-hour drive is like a two-hour drive on the East Coast, and there's so much to discover. It was a real sense of freedom. There are all kinds of tiny ghost towns. And, and they're still there. And they're still there. And they're, they're still, still accessible. There. They're still accessible. Yeah, Can absolutely. I ask a really stupid question? Sure. Who owns the ghost towns? That is actually a great question. Um, some of them are privately owned. There are a few that I know out in Nevada that are privately owned. People uh, who are just historic aficionados are uh, just buying them up. Um, but then others are just kind of sitting around on BLM land. Um, some of them are in Pure national parks. If yeah. you're a land, yeah, Bureau of Land Management. Uh, some of them are in national parks. Joshua Tree has a few. I wouldn't call them ghost towns. I might call them ghost camps. So they're just kind of like little tent sites and uh, vestiges of Joshua Tree's mining area era. But you can hike it, you can bike it, you can walk it. Absolutely, absolutely. And you can camp it. You can camp it, and you can rock climb it. It's a huge rock climbing destination. Yeah. Now, when I first came to Palm Springs, I mean, the development was nowhere near what it was, to, what mm-hmm. it is today. 
I mean, there are no high rises. There, there were there there was no great uh, entertainment facilities. There were, mm-hmm. I mean, there were a couple of you know celebrity homes. <laughs> And that was about it, you know. And then memories mm-hmm. of Gabby Hayes, if anybody remembers Gabby Hayes, but that's okay. I forgive you all. But here we are on the Agua Caliente, you know, in this building. All of a sudden, you have an entertainment venue. You have major stars coming. You have uh, all these different food venues that were never there before. And yeah. opportunities for people, mm-hmm. if, they, if you want to combine, you know, camping and luxury you can mm-hmm, do it now mm-hmm. yeah and you're hitting on one of the things that really amazes me about uh, palm springs as well as how well it has weathered all eras of tourism so explain that yes i would love to so palm springs um was mid-century uh modernism kind of grew up in palm springs so we had all these beautiful mid-century hotels and homes the celebrity homes that you mentioned but then that fell out of fashion really in the 70s through the 90s but instead of tearing everything down like some other cities that we could mention um palm springs just kind of pushed forward and when people started buying up property in the 90s all these beautiful homes and hotels and and municipal buildings were left there Palm Springs has the highest concentration of mid-century modern architecture in the world. And And they're preserving it. And they're preserving it really beautifully. And the people who were buying the homes, they were younger. Yes. Right? Absolutely. You never thought of Palm Springs Mm -hmm. as being a young place. Right, absolutely. And it has, you're right, it has just a new vibrancy right now. And every time I'm out there, I'm just amazed by how much more vibrant and beautiful it is. Other than the age demographics, Mm -hmm. what are some of the biggest misconceptions? About Palm Springs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, of course, that it's a retirement home, but also that it is uh, maybe just a place to go play golf. Um, really, there are a lot of a lot of things to well, wait, do out there. To be there. honest, there are a lot of golf courses. <laughs> there are a Come lot on. of golf courses, <laughs> but there are also um, a lot of restaurants, a lot of resorts, swimming pools. Um, well, there are, yeah. there are a lot of golf courses. There are a lot of swimming pools. What's there a lot of that would be a surprise? Hmm. Well, I don't know if there's a lot of it, but there is some hiking. There are things to explore. Um, The Indian canyons, for example, in Palm Springs are a beautiful hiking experience. They're owned by the Coahuila Band of... of, of um, Agua Caliente Indians, and there are waterfalls you can hike and just have, and there are palm oases. Have you taken the aerial tramway? I have. I, I did too. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. cool. It is really cool. 6,000 feet in what, 10 minutes, I think it takes to get up to the top of the mountains. Now, yeah. but one of the conceptions, or I should say the misconceptions, is that it's always hot. <laughs> right. Uh, yes, this is true. I think first-time visitors think that they're coming to a place that's very hot, and then they're surprised when the temperature drops 40 degrees at night, and it's freezing, and you need two fleeces and some boots. Um, <laughs> that's the desert. Yeah, that's the desert. <laughs> okay, so that's one of the misconceptions. The age thing is a misconception. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what about accessibility? Because, I mean, that's a big deal these days. It is a big deal. Are you asking about Palm Springs or Joshua Tree? Both. Or, yeah. Well, um, Joshua Tree, I would say, is the is fairly accessible. Um, you can see Joshua Tree in a car. Um, there is a 25-mile loop through the park that you can drive, and there are a lot of short interpretive trails along this drive that you can kind of get out. There are viewpoints, so you can really kind of see the highlights of Joshua Tree you without actually, having to get way back in there. And you can actually learn something. And you can way. learn something, too. Yeah. Have you hiked at all? Oh, I'm a big hiker. Yeah. So you've done it. Yeah. 
I've done it. And I haven't hiked at all, but I've hiked most of it. Okay, how, how long would it take you to do Joshua Tree, the actual national? To hike every trail in Joshua Tree? Yeah. A few months? It's crisscrossed by trails. So, so yeah. pick it carefully. <laughs> pick carefully, absolutely. Pick carefully. Yeah. <laughs> My guest right now is Connie Ellen Evans, the director of hotel operations right here at Agua Caliente. And, you know, you're a hotel guy and you're and you're from Hawaii. Correct. You came from all the Marriott guys over there. Correct. But this is a whole different operation, isn't it? It is, but it's relative. I mean, hospitality is hospitality, irregardless of where you go. Uh, it's my second go around in, in, in Native American gaming. Uh, previously and and explain some of the history of that, because we saw it, of course, on the east coast of the United States in Connecticut and New York. Uh, we've seen it in Pennsylvania. We, we've seen it in Arizona. We've seen it in New Mexico. California is a relatively newcomer. Relatively. Um, you know, it's, it's been around, uh, you know, in Southern California, I think a little longer than Northern. Uh, Pachanga um, and a few others uh, that, that have been doing this for quite some time. I think it goes back to, uh, you know, some of the old uh, uh, tents that were constructed, uh, bingo hall days. Uh, so, yeah, it's been around for quite a, quite a long time. Pull tab uh, slot machines. I'm not sure if anybody uh, remembers those, but, yeah, it's been around for, for quite some time. But when you think about the evolution of Indian gaming, uh, it was never Indian gaming and entertainment. It Correct. was never Indian gaming and great food. It was a casino. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the evolution of that obviously is uh, gaming is a a great form of entertainment, Uh, specifically in California. uh, Not everybody has uh, the privilege of having a gaming operation. Uh, So food, entertainment, kind of taking, uh, you know, the the foundation that Las Vegas has laid down and some of those other large cities like Atlantic City, it it just goes hand in hand. And... When I remember the original Indian casinos, the three-letter word spa was never part of that deal either. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, and, and again, uh, you know, going back to the evolution side of it, it's inevitable that uh, you, know, you have full-scale resorts, very similar to what I came from in Marriott, uh, where basically it's a one-stop shop. And from, from a revenue point of view and from a tax point of view, you're now a big part of the community. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, over 2,500 jobs. Uh, which makes us, I believe, the largest employer uh, in our area. And, uh, and all the taxes that are generated from that obviously goes to support uh, a, a large part of the community. When you came here, um, you know, I, I was surprised, quite frankly, to see the, 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 the caliber of entertainment that you're booking here. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld's coming. Absolutely. Uh, amazing. Uh, and, and like you, uh, you know, being that I'm four months in, uh, I was very surprised at the level of entertainment, the level of entertainers uh, that uh, that we draw to the resort here. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, uh, Snoop Dogg to, uh, like you said, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, amazing talent, uh, very recognizable names uh, that you don't often uh, see at, at 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 a at a casino property uh, outside of Las Vegas or Atlantic City. So exactly, yeah. You know, when I also think about it, uh, you and I were recently at the same time in Las Vegas for the for the Forbes Five Star Luxury Summit. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys got four stars. 
We did. Uh, which, I, which, by the way, from an Indian casino or gaming operation, I was surprised. I mean, absolutely amazing accomplishment. It's it's been uh, about a two year project uh, for the resort, and um, you had to step up your game. Absolutely. I mean, all things uh, service related. Uh, Forbes is one of the most recognized uh, partners in in service. Uh, throughout the hospitality industry, uh, and I believe that uh, you know we're one of uh, uh, a very, very, very small company that that has that Forbes attachment, and we've got three. We we have three areas of the resort that were recognized with the four star recognition. So, uh, fantastic uh, accomplishment for the resort. So, what's your biggest challenge? You know, uh, obviously, it's a big operation, uh, continuing to. Uh, increase the levels of communication. Technology is a big factor. Uh, it continues to be. There's always opportunities to to upgrade software systems to, uh, you know, incorporate uh, different technologies, whether it be, you know, guest service friendly, customer service friendly. Um, and so, you know, those challenges obviously remain, uh, uh, you know, to be a big challenge, but, uh, you know, we have a tremendous amount of support. Um, we've got some some great minds uh, on the executive level that allow us to uh, uh, to continue to, to meet those challenges. So, But no amount of technology can take the precedence over, over good service. Absolutely not. Um, you've got to have good people. Um, and you have to have good leadership and good management. And I think that's something that we definitely pride ourselves on. But when you think about it, when people think about Indian gaming or Indian casinos, they're not necessarily. I mean, I was surprised to see the the, the caliber of what you're doing here, mm-hmm. in terms of room design. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I I look at hotels the way you look at hotels. You know, mm-hmm. I want to see if the plug is in the right place, and Absolutely. I want to see if the lighting is in there okay in the bathroom. You got the lighting right in the bathroom. I mean, ho- most hotels don't get the lighting right in the bathroom, <laughs> right? You got big bathtubs in there. You know, most casinos want you out of the room. Right. So this is a different operation. It is. Um, you know, luxury first. Uh, obviously, we want, uh, you know, to bring in that uh, that homely feel, if you would, and have every amenity uh, that guests would expect if they're at a larger scale uh, resort uh, right here in Rancho Mirage. My next guest heads from the CIA. No, it's not the CIA that you know and think about. It's the Culinary Institute of America, and actually up in Hyde Park, New York. Absolutely. And uh, and he's got quite a pedigree. He was he and I don't realize this until we actually looked looked at each other today. But we were both there when the Bellagio opened. Yes, indeed. Which is the former site of the Dunes Hotel when they yes. blew that up. Yes. Then he went over to the Four Seasons, a couple of resorts there, and now he's here yes. in Agua Caliente. Ken Williams, the executive chef. How are you, sir? Good to be here. You're once again like most Californians. You're not from around here. You're you're a New Jersey guy exactly but thing is you moved here but when you moved here i bet like me you weren't expecting to see what you were going to see i mean for me i've said this throughout the show palm springs is always surprising me these days because it's not just the desert i never in a thousand years thought i'd be in the desert to be honest but you know you thought it would be a prison sentence exactly exactly but it's actually so beautiful out here it's amazing and uh we you know my family really really are happily happily 
uh, overjoyed to be here. You know, if you go back 15 years, in some in some cases, maybe even five years, the biggest challenge that chefs have is, is being able to source food, being able to get local ingredients, working with local purveyors. You know, if you drive down here, and so many people do, you don't see a lot of opportunities, at least the first visual sighting that you have. You're not, you're not driving through rolling lush farmland. No, you're not. But, but we still live in Southern California, and you know that's that's the breadbasket of the country basically, and we can get pretty much anything that we you know need and desire here in the desert. Were you surprised when you got here about the quality of the food? Yes, indeed, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't know that there were so many quality restaurants in in the desert. Um, you know, we still haven't reached you know all of the restaurants. Me and my wife to go out and try everything, but you know it's it's. Incredible. Although this is radio, and I know you can't see Ken, but he does like to eat. <laughs> yes, and I'm not a small guy. <laughs> so in terms of the menu, because you, you know, you're given a chance, right? This is your opportunity. You craft it, you create it, you invent it if you want. Uh, and I always like to ask chefs this question, so you're no exception. You're not getting off the hook that easy. When you first came here, what's the one thing you put on the menu and you said, man, this is going to be so great, so cool, everybody's going to like it, and it tanked? <laughs> and wait, wait. And then, what's the one thing you said, do I really have to put this on the menu? And everybody loves it. So, you know, we're trying to have fun. You know, we want to make our- No excuses uh, now. Come I'm, on. I'm just trying to, you know, keep it real. You know, we try to have fun. And, you know, in one of our restaurants, Waters Cafe, you know, I, I wanted to kind of do a play on words and a play on food. Um, so we bought popcorn shrimp. And I use actual popcorn with the shrimp, with a, a spicy honey that goes with the shrimp. Um, I thought it- was awesome and tastes great. Um, people weren't really feeling it. But then I put like a fun dish on the, on the menu as well. Oh, so, so what you're saying to me is the popcorn shrimp got 86. Not yet, but it will It's be. on the it, way it's out. It's on the way out. Okay, fine. So and hurry down to Agua Caliente <laughs> to get your popcorn shrimp. Right now. Okay, fine. And then uh, we put tachos on, on the menu. What? It's, What's that? It's, it's like a play on uh, tater tots, um, chili, um, and, you know, a bunch of other, you know, mixture of, of, of flavors. And, you know, people are loving it during happy hour. They're requesting it during, you know, dinner time. It's, it's, it's incredible. Is it on the room service menu yet? Not yet, but it will be. Because <laughs> people love it. At the end of the day, is it really making a difference if you just keep it simple? Yes, that's, that's the key. But I mean, I go to so many restaurants where the menu is like reading a novel. You know, they, they want to tell you, you know, the baby leeks came from a from a small home in West Virginia right. and, and they're doing this and it's dressed with this. And it's like, how about just a grilled cheese sandwich? Does that work? That's that's it. We had a saying in culinary school, keep it simple, stupid. You know, and it was just... We had that same in journalism, by the way. <laughs> and, you know, it, it never fails. I mean, we want to keep the flavors simple where people can appreciate them. And, you know, presentations as well, very simple simple and but clean and, and nice and you know people are are, are, are drawn to that I now think. you got a steakhouse here absolutely and we know it's on the menu yes you have a tomahawk that's a weapon <laughs> it's it's a how, large, how big is that tomahawk it is 32 ounces does it come with a stretcher <laughs> you'll fall asleep at the table if you try to eat it all i'll tell you that so you have the doggy bags ready yeah plenty of them <laughs> plenty of them <laughs> The bottom line is, where are your sourcing problems? Hmm, that's a good question. Or what um, can't you get here? Um, we can get pretty much everything, like I said in the beginning, what we desire. But fish is, you know, fish is, is something that, um, you know, if we want different types of fish, you, you really got to look hard for it. Although the salmon you had is from the Antarctic. Yes, and we 
We wanted to be sustainable in that aspect. And you just wanted to source it from as far away as possible. Far away as possible and as good as possible. So when I think about Palm Springs, I think about the Anton. <laughs> cool off out here in the desert. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free, starting May 1st with a 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.